Awesome, thank you. That was so good to get to hear from Sunny and how she found some great ways to uh, change the work in her life as she retired um, and go into more of what God's calling her to. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Sunny. And this morning, I don't know, sometimes during worship, um, things come to mind. And as we were singing the last song, Another in the Fire, it's one of those songs that talks about the freedom that God gives and how faithful he is and that he's with us in the middle of things going horribly wrong and falling apart in life sometimes. And it's one of those mornings that I know of some of us already, like I know there's quite a few people going through what feels like a fire right now. And there's others of us that are trying to be present with them and walk beside them. And I just want to spend a minute just praying for our church this morning before we get into the message. God, we just bring the challenges that we're facing, um, the fires that some of us feel like we're in, that we sometimes we come to church and we get to celebrate your faithfulness, celebrate your victory, celebrate the freedom that we have. And other times, it's a, it's a Sunday where when we sing the songs, we go, that would be great if that were what was happening in my life, but it's not happening right now. Um, and we just invite you into those moments. We know that you are present in whatever fire we feel like we're walking through, that you want to work in that. Um, and I pray as a community that we be a community that shows up for each other, a community that when somebody else is going through something, we carry their burden with them. We pray with them, we walk with them, we listen to them, and we love them and that we would be the physical presence of Jesus in their life. And we pray that you'd be faithful, God. In the situations where we're struggling with hope, we pray that you would be faithful and you would give us a reason to hope in you and to trust in you. We give this all to you. Amen. All right. So this morning we're jumping into our fourth week of our series, Living in the Future. And our series, Living in the Future, has been a series looking at the closest friends, the closest followers of Jesus, and how they spent three years with him. Jesus came to earth as fully God and fully human. God said, I want to come and live on earth as a human and show what it means to live as we're created to live as humans. And so Jesus came and lived on earth for 33 years, about 2,000 years ago. And his closest friends and followers were called disciples. And we've kind of gone through their stories of coming to become followers of him and how they saw Jesus saying, hey, I have a different future for you. You might be trying to create your own future or secure your future, but I actually have a future that God has promised of making all things right. Everything that's gone wrong come back, be recreated to be right. And he's going to bring that future for anyone who wants to participate in it. But not only is it coming in the future, I want to start bringing it to earth now. And that was the work of Jesus. So his closest friends, his disciples, had been following him around, hearing about this future, saying, hey, I'm excited about that. I want to be your follower. I want to hear about what you're doing. But then Jesus says, okay, that's great that you're dreaming about the future. I want you to do the future. I want you to actually live in it right now. And here's the thing about the future. When you're thinking about the future, you're dreaming about the future, you're like, oh man, I'm going to get this car, I'm going to live in this house, I'm going to date this person, whatever it is, and you get excited about it and you have these dreams for the future. But then the future starts to get too close. 
and the fears start to pop up. And you go, what if I fail in the future? When it's far away, it's exciting. When it gets too close, then suddenly the fear kicks in. You go, what if I'm not cut out for the future that I'm, trying, that I'm going into? And it's interesting because when you're in, your pre- like you're in your, the present right now, you think back to the past. You think back a year and your life was a little bit different. You think back five years, your life was probably a lot different. You think back 50 years and your life was probably radically different. Definitely for me because I wasn't even born yet. But what I need to do in life to succeed in life, to accomplish things and get by and not fail, a year ago was slightly different than now. And was five years ago was quite a bit different. And 50 years ago was totally different. And we have different understandings of how the world works and what we need to do to succeed in our life. And every time we step into a different stage of our life, that changes. And so we have these kind of frameworks. And so the followers of Jesus, when Jesus says, hey, I want you to start living in the future, which we're going to get into in Mark chapter 6. When Jesus says, I want you to start actually living in this, living this out, they probably had some fears pop up going, okay, that's great to think about, but to actually live in this is probably going to, am I going to succeed in this or am I going to fail in this? Is this my future or my failure? So the title of the message this morning is your future or your failure. Because when we start to look at the future, we're like, oh, that's got either an amazing future or I'm going to fail. And it's interesting, the idea of frameworks and stepping into the future and frameworks. As I was thinking about this, if you know a little bit about my life and my family, my parents are American. I'm actually American too, but I've been here long enough. I try to pretend I'm a Canadian. My parents are definitely American still. Um, so my parents are American. A couple of years ago, we started dreaming about the future. About two years ago, we started talking about, hey, wouldn't it be amazing to like have you guys actually come and live with us and help us out with the kids and grow up and like you guys would love the grandkids, we would love the help. Um, you'd kind of retire-ish and like we started to dream about the future and we were excited about it. But then as they started to actually get close to moving into the future and actually moving up here to Canada, suddenly the fears start to kick in. And you have to start, I had to start telling them about things that were different in Canada and how their framework for life in the present in the United States, the framework for life in Canada is a little different. Because like Canada and the U.S. kind of look the same on the surface, but then under the surface, we operate out of different frameworks. And, it's just, and there's these differences that if you don't pick up on them, will cause you a lot of trouble. And, a lot, and it'll feel like a failure. And so I was thinking about, like, what are some of those differences? And, like, one of the things that I learned that I warn Americans about is restaurants. Restaurants up here are different. Because you get to the end of the meal, and they bring out a bill. Like, the healthcare here is free, but the food isn't. So they still bring out a bill. That's not different. But they bring out the bill, and in America, they bring out the bill, and they put it, like, in a little, like, fold thing and there's a pen and you write down how much you want to tip and you sign and you give them the credit card or whatever. I can't even remember the process, but basically you write on that. You give them the credit card. They walk off. They serve you. They take care of you. They deal with the credit card for you. They come back. You don't even like, 
you don't see it go in the machine. You don't feel like you're really spending money. It's nice. It's great. Here in Canada, you watch an American try to pay for their meal and they, fr and they get really confused because here in Canada, we have trust issues. We don't let somebody walk off to another room with our credit card and who knows what happens and what's gonna show up on our credit card statement. They bring the machine to you and you have to do it yourself. It's a little bit different. It's just a different framework. But that's not the, that's not the rough part of the framework in Canada. The, the hard part that changes for when you go to a Canadian restaurant, is when you go to a restaurant in America, you go and you buy one meal, you're really buying two or three. This is a great part about America, or used to be, it seems like we're changing finally. But you go to a restaurant and you eat your meal, then you eat and you're nice and full and comfortable, and then you eat a bit more of a meal because it's America and we gotta make sure we keep our heart disease and our diabetes, our reputation up. And then you get a take-home box and you put your third meal in the box and you take it home and you have lunch for tomorrow. In America, when you buy a meal, you actually get three. It's great. The shock when you go to a Canadian restaurant for the first time. Actually, this one got me really bad because I, like, I had a high metabolism a few years back. I was like an athlete. I ate a lot. So I'd order a nice full meal and I'd be excited about having a meal and something to take home. I ate the meal and I was like, this is like an appetizer because like I eat two meals. Where's my second meal to actually fill me up? I can't afford to eat here. I need to order two meals just to be full. And I wasn't prepared for the future in Canada and it was turned into a bit of a failure and I was like, I can't afford to eat out here. And so it's an interesting thing when we step into the future we need a different framework. Because maybe you haven't moved between countries, but have you ever started a new job? Have you ever had a job that you were excited about? Because sometimes you get a job that's just a job to pay the bills, and you're like, I can get another one of these next week. Like I had a job where I was driving delivery, and I was like, you know what? I have no stress here. I never dreamed about this job. I'm just here to do the job. But there's those jobs that you're like, I'm excited for this job. I'm excited for the work that I get to do. Maybe I went to school for it for years. I've been preparing for it. And you do the interviews and you're so stressed. And it's almost a blur. And you get the job offer and you just accept it. You don't even pay attention to the paycheck. You're just so excited. And then you go home to your wife and she's like, how much are you getting paid? And you're like, I don't know, but I'm excited about the job. At least that's what I do. But then your first day of the job, you start to walk in and you go, either this is my future or this is my failure. Either this is going to be an amazing future or I'm going to fail to learn the framework fast enough and I'm going to fail. And you walk in and you have to go, okay, where do I park in the parking lot? And who do you say hi to and who wants you to just get to work and not even bother saying hi to them? And then you figure out who the, and you have to learn your coworkers, you have to learn the processes, learn what's different from your last job. Because if you're like, oh, at my last job, we did it this way, you just keep doing it that way, it's going to be your failure, right? And we have, and to step into the future, we have to learn a new framework. If anybody, if anybody ever was really good friends with somebody, but they wanted to be more than friends. 
Maybe some of you guys remember that time in your life. Maybe you tried to move that. You tried to get out of the friend zone into the romantic relationship zone. And when you start, when you're friends, you have a framework for friendship. And there's normal framework for friendship. When you're friends with somebody, you establish whether you're like, you're like fist bump friends or hug friends. You establish how often you text each other. You establish how, whether you guys buy coffee for each other, you buy your own coffee when you hang out. You establish the norms of your friendship. What you talk about, what you don't. And then, but the whole time, this is a person where you're like, I, I want a future with this person beyond friendship. You dream of that future with them. And you're like, I can't wait. Maybe someday we can be more than friends. And so finally you work up the guts to say, hey, I actually want to be more than friends with you. And maybe right there it's a failure and they're like, well, I don't see that and you lose the relationship. I don't know. But if they say, yes, I want that too, then you have to learn a new framework. Because if you keep making them buy their own coffee and you only text them once a week and you're like, fist bump, good to see you, you are going to fail in that relationship, I can guarantee it. You need a new framework because you're in the future. So all that to say, walking with the disciples, the close friends of Jesus, they started following him because he was talking about a future that they were excited about and they wanted and they dreamed about and they listened to him talk about it and they were so excited for it. And when we talk about the future that God is bringing for anyone who wants to be a part of it, the future that he has for humanity, for anyone who wants to participate, sometimes it's been miscommunicated at church. Sometimes you get an image of, okay, the roads are going to be gold, but we're not even going to use the roads. We're going to be sitting on clouds playing harps. And you're like, does my new framework for the future involve needing to learn how to play harp? No, 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 no. The funny thing about the future that God invites us into, that he's talking about, that Jesus started to bring, was he said, on the surface, and if you read through scripture, you can find all of this, but I'm summarizing. On the surface, God's future doesn't look that different than right now. It's almost like America and Canada. If you take a picture of America and a picture of Canada, they don't look that different. But then you actually go from one country to the other and you go, oh, okay, actually there's some stuff different underneath. How things work underneath are different. And it's like that except a way bigger shift. Because the future for humanity, we already got to look at that. When God created the universe and he created humanity, he went, I want you to do good work. And he put the first humans in a garden and said, care for the garden, care for these animals. But the lions didn't bite. The lions were friendly. There was no fear of the animals. And when you went to care for the garden, you weren't ripping out blackberries and getting shredded. Because God created humans for good work and good relationships. Even with God, he said, I want to go for morning walks with humans. These humans that I created, I want to just go for morning walks with you guys. Like imagine a relationship with God with no shame and no fear, no guilt, but just being like, hey, yeah, let's, let's go for a walk. Get some coffee and go for a walk in the morning and chat. That's what he created us for. Even with raising families, he created us, the future that he created us for 
was a future where there was no pain in childbirth. The newborn stage was purely the joy of having a child. It wasn't the torture of sleep deprivation and frustration. Imagine raising kids without being angry. Just imagine. I can't. I can't. But that's what God created us for as humans. And so he created that at the beginning, but he gave us a choice of saying, do you want the future I created you for, or do you want to try to create your own future? That's part of the beauty of being a human is we get that choice. And the first humans chose to try to create their own future. And, they, and in their attempts at that, they brought brokenness and hurt and pain, what we call sin, into the world. And our world is still defined by that. When you turn on the news, there's wars around us. When we turn off the news and we relate to our family and our friends and our coworkers, there's always tensions, there's jealousies. There's things in our lives that we want to change about ourselves that we just can never change, that we know we want to be better and we can't. And so we know that we are stuck in the future that we tried to create for ourselves and it's not working out. And so Jesus says, hey, I want to bring that future back. And he didn't say, oh, I'm just going to toss out humanity. You guys failed. Let's start over again. He said, I want to bring that back through you. I want to renew you. I want to renew creation, recreate what I created right at the beginning for anybody who wants to be a part of it. So that's the future that God's inviting us into, that he was inviting the disciples into, that they said, hey, I'm excited about it. But then the rubber hits the road. In Mark chapter 6, verses 7 to 13, Jesus is like, okay, I've been talking about this. Now it's time to actually step into the future, start living it out. And you can imagine the disciples probably had some fears. Like when you think about living in God's future, do you ever think, Maybe I'm going to fail in this future. Maybe I'm not good enough for it. Maybe I'm not going to fit in. Maybe God has this future for everyone else, but I'm not going to be able to cut it. Or I'm not going to be able to figure out this new framework. I imagine the disciples had these fears. And so Jesus starts to speak into it. So then Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people. And he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two. And this is the start of the framework. He said, I'm, calling you to, I'm sending you out to bring this future to others two by two. This is not something you do on your own. This is something you do together in community. You need each other for this. Giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. What? God said, I'm giving you spiritual authority. The work that I have for you to do, bringing the future, does not happen Without my spiritual authority, you need this. And he continues on. And he told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick. No food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals but not take a change of clothes. So a future smelling awful and one change of clothes and starving to death. If, we, if you skip later on, they came back alive in one piece. So I'm pretty sure they found food. But the point was he was going... Bringing the, the work of bringing the future, you need my spiritual power, but you don't need to worry about the resources. You don't need to stress the resources because if God happened to, you know, create the universe, if he's calling you to get some work done, he can provide the tools. He can provide the physical resources you need. So don't stress about that, but you better be stressing about whether you have a spiritual power as you step into this work. And he allowed, okay, and wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave town. Wherever 
God calls you to go to the town and stay in the same house. Don't be sitting there going, hey, this, these guys are nice, but the neighbors next door have a pool. And then you move to the neighbors next door and you go, oh, they're nice, but you know what? The neighbors across the street, they have a personal chef and I like them better. Because sometimes we like uh, some people better than other people. We get along with some people better than other people. And that's reality. But he says, no. Bringing the future is going and staying with who I called you to stay with and be with them. But I'm losing my spot there. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. And at first, this sounds really harsh. Hey, if anybody re- says, I don't want this, just shake the dust off your feet and be like, that's a you problem. But it's an interesting thing because in this context, the people he was sending them to were people that had been following the Jewish religion for hundreds of years. They were very familiar with God up to this point. So this wasn't new to them except what Jesus was bringing. And so they weren't saying, I don't get it. If somebody said, I don't want it, they were saying, I get it and I don't want it. This is a really interesting thing because if we love people, we care about their future, we say, we want God's future for you too. We're like Levi, we're like, come over for dinner. Let me introduce you to Jesus. You want his, the future that he's bringing. But from the beginning of time, God said, I create humanity to get to choose their future. I create every human with the ability to choose whether they want to be part of the future I have for them or if they want to try to create their own future on their own. And you, it's not, God doesn't force anyone into his future, and so we can't either. If someone says, I get it and I don't want it, we have to respect that it's not our power to bring them into God's future. So it's interesting. I think this kind of gives us a framework. To summarize the framework, I'd say there's kind of five pieces to it. The first is go in a pack. Second is work through spiritual power. Third is pack light. Fourth is engage staying power. And the fifth is don't engage the wrong power. So let's dig into this a little bit. Because if you want your future to be your future, not your failure, you have to live in the framework that God's giving us for the future he has for us. Go in a pack. If you try to bring God's future on your own, your future is going to be your failure. Jesus did not say, hey, you're so strong, you've got this, you've got to do this on your own. Maybe that's how you've been living your life. Maybe that's how your present works, is everything you have, you've got on your own. And you succeeded in that. But if you want God's future, you can't keep doing that. You've got to say, I'm going to go into God's future with my church community. I'm going to go into my future with my community group. I'm going to bring God's future to the world alongside the other other followers of Jesus. I can't do this by myself. God didn't make me to live in the future by myself. And so if you're sitting there trying to do this by yourself, it's going to be your failure. The second is work through your spiritual, work through spiritual power. Jesus started to set an example of what it meant to bring the future now. And all of his works were empowered by the spirit. Some of them were crazy miracles. And this passage, he's saying, I'm giving you the power 
to cast out evil spirits. Anybody here um, seen somebody cast out an evil spirit? Couple of us. That's awesome. A lot of us haven't. And here's the thing about spiritual power. Jesus consistently showed that everything he did to bring God's future now came through spiritual power. Not through human power, but through spiritual power. But Jesus uses different spiritual power in different times and different places. When Jesus went to his hometown, because of the people there and where they were at, he couldn't he didn't do a single miracle. There was no spiritual power to do miracles because God was like, this isn't going to do any good. This isn't the time and place for miracles. But then when he went to other places, God was like, hey, you're going to do some miracles. Some of the most powerful moments in Jesus' time on earth was when he had a conversation with somebody. He sat down to have a conversation with somebody. He starts talking to them. And he starts referencing things in their life that they've never told anybody And they feel like Jesus just read their diary. It's like that is God's spiritual power. Because I've never cast out an evil spirit. I've never done a miracle. But at one point, I was praying for somebody at a youth camp. I was praying for a youth. As I'm praying for them, I just had some stuff pop into my head to pray for that I was like, this is not stuff I know about them. And I was like, it's actually borderline going to be offensive if this isn't what's going on in their life. But I started praying about their friendships and what's going on in their friendships in their life. Pretty specifically, I was like, God, I hope this is you. And after I got done praying for them, they just kind of like, they're a cool teenager. They just kind of shrug, whatever. And then like a week later, at youth group, there's a time to share about what happened. I said, I've known about God my whole life. And I kind of sort of believed it, but I never really... But I was at a point where I just didn't know if God was actually real and present. But then Michael started praying for me, and I gave him nothing. Because I didn't want, I wanted to see if God actually was real, and God actually knew what was going on in my life. And if God cared. So I told Michael nothing about what was going on. I was just going to see what he prayed for. And Michael prayed for exactly what was going on in my life. And that was spiritual power. I couldn't pray in physical power for her to experience God. But because I was faithful when God said, hey, I've got some spiritual power for this situation, he was present in her life. So bringing the future is in spiritual power. Whatever form that takes on. And it can take on so many different forms. Then pack light. This one gets us. When you're getting ready to go on a, a trip, I think of this. I think of this. When I get ready to pack for a trip, if I'm flying somewhere, I pack very, very carefully and very specifically. Because I go, what clothes am I going to need? If the weather is the worst, the most crazy weather possible, what am I going to need? Okay, I'm going to pack a rain jacket. I'm going to pack swim trunks. I'm going to pack everything. Because if you ever go on a trip and you have to buy like a $200 coat because you didn't plan for it to rain, and you're like, I don't have the money for this. But then you watch rich people travel. And the richer you are, the less you pack. Because if you're really rich, and especially like if you're, it's not that you're rich, it's that your dad is rich. You know those people where their dad's rich or their mom's rich? And they literally just hop on a flight with nothing. They forget their phone. They're like, no worries. 
because I've got the credit card. I've got my dad's credit card. And so when I get there, I'll just swipe the credit card for the phone and for the coat and for the swim trunks and whatever I need. I can pack as light as anyone. I don't need to pack anything because my dad's got all the resources in the world. If we're living in our physical lives in the present life, we only have what we have. And we've got to plan ahead and we've got to stress about our retirement fund and we've got to stress about how we're going to pay for groceries next week. If we're living in the future, if we're living in what God's called us to, he says, I'm going to give you spiritual power. But not only that, don't worry about the resources. Don't stress it. If you're the work that I'm doing needs a church building, I will provide for a church building. The reason that we're in this huge building is not because we stressed about it and we're like, okay, okay, if God, like, if we want God to be able to do anything, we have to save for 50 years to build this amazing building. No. It was that in the 1970s, we were faithfully following what God called us to do and we were living and bringing his future to Cedar Valley and there were more people than fit in the old building over there. And we went, okay, now we don't need to stress about it, but we definitely need to see how God's going to provide for it. And God provided for us to build this building, to have the space for the people that he wanted us to reach. And so often we go, God can't do this or God can't do that in my life because I don't have the resources for it yet. And instead, we need to hop on the plane and go, the creator of the universe can probably create or find a way to provide the resource I need when I get there. But if you're living in that framework of, I need to figure out the resources and stress about the resources before I can go there, the future is going to be your failure. And then there's engaged staying power. This is where it gets harder for me. This is where it gets into the people part. It gets harder. Engaged staying power. Has God ever called you to go and serve people? And you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. I will go and serve these people. I, God's like, hey, I want you to share about who I am with this person. And you go and you show up. I'm like, actually right now this is going on in my life because there's somebody that I connected in my life. Um, I see them occasionally. And God's like, hey, I opened up this conversation for you with them about who I am, about who, like, who Jesus is and the future that Jesus has. And I was like, okay, that was a great conversation. Next time I see them, we're talking about the weather. Because this is scary. And God's like, no. Go back and next time have another conversation. And the next time have another conversation. And the next time, share more. And I'm like, I don't want to. This is scary. I would rather talk to people up here. This is a lot less scary talking to all of you guys because this is in my comfort zone. I want to pick these people. But he's like, no, I called you that person. You're going to stay with that person and keep sharing about who I am until they say, I get it and I don't want it. If they say, I don't get it, then you keep talking about it. The only time that you stop talking about it is when they say, I get it and I don't want it. Until then, you're stuck with this person unless I call you somewhere else. And sometimes we'll go, okay, God's calling me to serve people in our city that need food. So I'll go and serve at Hope Central. If you don't know about Hope Central, it's one of the ministries that one of the other churches in our community runs in downtown Mission. And at Hope Central, they feed people that need dinner. And they also build friendships and relationships with them. 
But you can go, I'm going to go serve at Hope Central and do what God called me to do. And then you get done with that. You do one time. You go, okay, that was great. But also, I'd rather serve in nursery here because toddlers scare me less. Or toddlers, I am better friends with toddlers than these people or whatever. And you pick a greener pasture when God said, no, I called you there. Stay there. Engage, stain, power. Stay there unless God calls you somewhere else or they say, I don't get, want it and I get it, I don't want it. And then finally, don't engage the wrong power. This is the hard thing for us as humans because there's so many things in this world that we can control. There's so many things that if we work hard enough, we can make it happen. When you go, if I really want this car or I really want this in my life, I can make it happen. Even with people, we go, if I want somebody to clean my house, I can find a way to make enough money to pay somebody enough that they will clean my house for me, whatever it is. But one of the gifts that God gives to us as humans is that we each are responsible to choose our future. And so when you say, hey, this is the future that God has for you, and somebody says, I don't want it, it's really tempting to make a law and be like, I'm going to find some political power and force you into God's future for you and make a law to force you into God's future. And you might change their behavior, but you can't change their heart. Or even when you're raising your own kids, it's really hard when you're like, you're going to be a follower of Jesus because you need this and you want that future for them so bad because you love them. You care about them deeply. But God won't force them into his future, and you can't either. You have to say, I love you. I want this future for you, but I cannot force you into it. I think that when we start to apply these five pieces of framework for the future, instead of it being like walking into a job with no point of reference, we've kind of been gone through orientation, Let's finish up the passage. So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins. So turn away from trying to create their own future. Turn away from trying to make their lives what they wanted. Repent of just trying to do it on their own and living with the outcomes of that. And turn to God and the future that Jesus was offering them. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. These guys were the rookies. But they went through orientation. They learned the framework for their future. And they stepped out, and God worked powerfully for that. And your own life, you can dream about God's future. You can go, I'm so excited about that. And you can get close enough to it that you start to fear that you're going to fail in that, that it's not for you. But God says, I want this future for you, and I don't want this to be a place that you fail. You don't have to fail in this future. I've given you a framework for living in this future. As you start to apply that in your life, you're going to start to slowly see your life look a little bit more like the future that God promised. See that what comes out of your life is a little bit more love and peace and kindness and gentleness and a little bit less jealousy and anger and hurt and bitterness. It's going to slowly start to set you free from different things that are controlling you in your life. But also, they're going to be able to start effectively sharing that with the people around you. That you're going to start to be like Levi, 
who said, I'm done following, trying to create my own future. I want God's future. And the, then the first thing he did was he invited all of his friends over for dinner and said, you need to hear about this. And that sounds like the scariest thing to a lot of us. We're like, that's so out of my comfort zone. But if you love people, if you actually care about their future, then you don't want them living the future that they're creating. You want to offer them the future that God has for them, and you're going to invite them. And it starts to give us that framework. Because in our city, I really believe that God put us here in mission, and specifically in the neighborhood of Cedar Valley, because he wants to do something here. So right now, if I walk around my neighborhood, if I drive around, if I run into people at the grocery store or the barber shop, and we start talking, there's so many people that are living their life without even knowing that God has a future for them. They're living their life going, the only future that I have is the future that I create for myself. And it's completely dependent on how much I can accomplish inside of me. And it's limited by me. And there's nobody who's ever told them that God has a future for them and that God can do more in their life than they could ever imagine. That he can transform that. But he's given us the privilege. He's put us in a place where we can be the people that bring that future to the city of Mission. That we can be the people that say, there's thousands of people in this neighborhood of Cedar Valley. And there's one or 200 of us. But if we start living out this framework, if we start actually going to people and saying, you are stuck with me in your life until God tells me to go somewhere else, I'm going to keep telling you about the future that Jesus has for you until you say, I get it, I don't want it. Then we're going to start having people say, yes, I want God's future in my life. I want to start living in this. It's going to start changing our city. When you read through the gospel of Mark and you see the miracles happening, the healing happening, and you go, wow, that would be so amazing if that, one of those moments happened here on earth in our time, in our place. Through us, God wants to start having that be the story of Cedar Valley, not the church, the neighborhood. Then in a few years, if you walk down the street, you're not going to have somebody, if you start a conversation with somebody, it's not going to be a conversation of, oh yeah, I never heard about that. Nobody cared enough about me. Nobody gave a rip about me to actually tell me about the future that God has for me. But they're going to say, yeah, I've heard about it. I'm excited about it. I'm starting to step into that. I'm excited for that. It's a big thing. But I want us to start actually taking the steps to live in the future. I want to challenge you these five ideas of go in a pack, work through spiritual power, pack light, engage staying power, and don't engage the wrong power. If there's one of those pieces of the framework for the future that you're like, I'm kind of stuck on that one. I struggle to step into that. I keep going back to the present and not stepping into the future. I keep going back to my past life and not stepping into the future. I want you to think of that, and I want to pray for that right now. Let's take a moment to pray. God, You've been so faithful. We've seen over the thousands of years of the church, there have been so many moments where ordinary humans don't bring ordinary results because they live in your power. They do the work that you created us for. We start to be your presence on earth. We start to bring your future here on earth. We start to bring your healing here on earth. There are hundreds, there are thousands of stories of that. But we want this community, we want the people of Cedar Valley Church to be a part of that story. We want our city to be a city that's known for your presence, for you working, 
here. But it's not going to happen if we stay stuck in our present. It's not going to happen if we try to step into the future by playing by our own rules. It's only going to happen if we step into the framework that you've given us, God. And each one of us feels called by you to live in this future. Each one of us is excited about this future. But each one of us can see in our own lives the places that we're stuck. The place where we're like, I want to live in the future, but I keep stressing about the resources and I don't feel like I can move forward into the future. I don't feel like I can pack light. And we want you to change our perspective, God. I pray that you would change our perspective, that you would work in our hearts and our minds, that we start to see the framework that you have for us. So often in my life, I've been stuck on something I've said. I've known this is how you want me to live, but this is where I'm at. And as hard as I try, I can't move from where I'm at to where you are. But when I bring it to you, you're so faithful to move it. You're so faithful to shift things and change things inside of me. So I pray that you would do that in each one of us, that each one of us, we'd offer up our life humbly and say, hey, here's where I'm at and here's where I know you want me to go. Can you transform me, Jesus? And I'll take whatever step that is. I pray you do that in our lives this morning. We give it all to you, God. Amen.